You're listening to the Co-Main Event Podcast. And now your hosts, Ben Folks and Chad Dunn. That's right, we're back. Episode number two of the Co-Main what? Event Mixed Martial Arts Podcast. I'm Chad Dundas from ESPN.com. Sitting across from me is Ben Folks from MMAFighting.com. And at this point, I would say that this show has already made it one episode further than maybe some people thought. Ben? Yeah, I, I assumed we would be incarcerated after the first episode <laughs> because it was too awesome. And that the police would come by and be like, you can't have something that awesome on the airwaves even though it's on the computer but still, you guys are going to have to come with us. I was prepared for that. I sat around in a cheap motel all day long waiting to be arrested. Never happened. I'm amazed. But let's push it, man. Let's push it until the wheels fall off. Uh, last week, we came to you live from my house. This week, we're in a different location. So any adjustments in sound quality are because of that. We're up in the South Hills amongst the upper crust, the bourgeoisie of Missoula, Montana at Ben Folks's house. Um, I, I mean, I think my neighbors who argue with their shirts off would disagree that this is quite the upper crust of Missoula, Montana. Uh, let's just say the views are better than where you live. How about that? Up here, you look out the windows and you see a beautiful vista of the Missoula Valley. At my house, you look out the windows and you see gangs of roving homeless guys <laughs> wandering the streets. So, uh, yeah, uh, we're we're in slightly more upscale environs today. Um, before we get started, we should say that the opinions expressed herein during the co-main event podcast are the sole possession of, of Ben and I. Uh, whatever we say, please don't hold it against our employees, employers at ESPN or at MMA Fighting. Um, this has nothing to do with them. We're here. We're not getting paid. We're just two guys talking in a room. Yeah, and if you want to go back, and, and, you might be shocked, frankly shocked at what you hear in this podcast, so you might want to go back. Listen to the first episode if you haven't, if only to hear our five sacred vows that we make to you, our listener. Uh, one of them will prepare you to hear words like fuck and shit and poop, all of which we will say uh, during the course of this podcast. So deal with it. If you're at work at a fucking bank somewhere, fucking deal with it because this is going to happen for about an hour. Uh, Chad, anything else you, you feel like, uh, well, there goes the refrigerator. Anything else you feel like our listeners need to know? Uh, I feel like they need to know that you've had a couple of beers. Well, I'm not the only one, am I? <laughs> I you know, I have no comment on that. I can't confirm or deny. Well, I'm not going to sit here and endure this character assassination. <laughs> uh, I, I think also it's important for us to let you know right at the top, we have some features. We're not just some rinky-dink bullshit podcast that just is entirely two guys talking, even though we vowed to never do interviews and we won't do, you know, be plugging sponsors like that guy. Uh, you you might have heard of his show, Ariel Helwani, who does the the MMA Fortnite uh, over on MMAfighting.com. Nice kid. I don't know if anyone listens to his show. I, I hope that uh, it gains a following because I think that he, he he's doing something worthwhile and maybe eventually he'll find some success with it. Um, but, you know, that's an interview show. We don't do that crap. We do, however, have some fun features that we're going to be mixing in. So kind of... Be on your toes here. It's not just going to be us talking the entire time. We, we've got some, some shit. We've got some shit in the works. It's an exciting week. I'm yeah, it is an exciting week. We, we're debuting a lot of new features on this one. We've got a lot to talk about. UFC 146 was last weekend. Uh, we'll be discussing that in detail. Uh, today's show will be in three rounds. But before we get into the hot and heavy of the mixed martial arts talk, Ben, you just came back from Las Vegas. You were down there for UFC 146. You took it in live from press row. You were big time and everybody with your tie. I saw on TV. Yeah, well, look, fight night. You got to treat it with the respect that it deserves. Jeff Wagenheim from sports illustrated shows up in a Hawaiian shirt, like, like some kind of off brand, you know, Nicholas cage. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm showing up in a tie. I'm respecting the occasion uh, I am sitting front row, uh, you know, Zeus from Middle East, he's sitting like in the third row. They don't even give him a, a table. That's a bummer for him. He has to put the laptop actually on his lap, which is, I, from what I read, terrible for your sperm count. Uh, you know, if I'm going to be front row and they're going to broadcast me on TV, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dress like this because I do the damn thing, to quote Shoney Carter, you know. Uh, but yeah, as you were saying, just came back from Las Vegas. Uh, always a, a wild and, and fun fight night. Uh, in, in Sin City, you get to just, you know, be pouring sweat 
the entire time that you're there. And also you get to run into, have fun fighter interactions, like when I got a free coffee from the media room and then was drinking it as fast as I could while I was standing in line for the men's room and Forrest Griffin saw me drinking it and he said, are you drinking coffee? To which I nodded and he said, that's gangster. And I honestly did not know what to say to that. Forrest Griffin said you were gangster. Well, he said the act of drinking coffee... I don't know if he meant the actor drinking coffee in li- while in line for the men's room was gangster. I don't know. I was, I was at a loss at that point. Huh. Wow. That that just blew my mind. Yeah. Uh, b- That's b- what you get on the co-main event podcast. You're not going to get that on the MMA six months. Yeah, nor should you, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> before we get into uh, round one, this week we put out the call for some listener questions. You guys would email us. Uh, and ask us questions that Ben and I would decide whether or not to answer, and we got some good ones. So uh, before, before, we, <laughs> before we kick it off, um, we're going to get into that. We're going to answer your questions right now. We did not want to actually read them ourselves, so we got friend of the podcast and the author of the widely read Combat Blog. You can find that at combatblog.net. Our friend and yours, Dan Brooks, has agreed to come in here and read your stupid questions dan how you doing i'm doing all right i think acquaintance would be more (laughs) okay yeah um all right so dan's gonna come in here read your questions possibly in a funny voice depends what he thinks of your name uh dan hit us with the first question all right our first question is from one joshua crane whom i assume is a beautiful lady um and i will read i will read her letter (laughs) as such joshua you you know where to reach me if you didn't notice kane versus bigfoot was a very bloody fight even I, a seasoned watcher of human cockfighting, found it hard not to cringe at that one. Now, I know UFC is all about being, quote, as real as it gets, unquote, but had this been on Fox, do you think there would have been any repercussions in the media, etc.? I just can't see that one going down too well with the casual crowd. Well, Chad, that, that lovely lady makes a, a pretty decent point. What are, what are your thoughts there? Uh, well, just to recap, in case you couldn't understand the voice, uh, the question is about the uh, Cain Velasquez Bigfoot Silva fight, um, the amount of blood that that was spilled entirely by Bigfoot in that fight, and <laughs> and whether or not that would have caused any any problems with, I guess you could say, the mainstream viewership um, had that had that fight been on Fox. Um, I've been thinking a lot about this issue, uh, not necessarily this particular fight, but just the idea of ever since that the UFC uh, signed its deal with Fox. It seems like we've been worrying a lot about what the mainstream would think of various aspects of violence involved in mixed martial arts and whether or not advertisers would like it, what Fox would think. Um, and I realized a couple of days ago, I don't care. Um, I, I, I want the sport to succeed, obviously, I, I, mostly because I think fighters should get paid more. So it's important to me that, that the UFC does well on Fox. But the truth is, I don't really care what the mainstream thinks, and I don't, don't care if they would have been turned off by, you know, Bigfoot Silva's geyser of, of blood against against Cain uh, Velasquez. Um, so you're, you're a rebel who plays by your own rules. Yeah, I mean, saying. I'm not going to stop watching the sport no matter what uh, you know my mom thinks about it. So, I guess my answer to Josh's question is that that frankly, I just frankly, Josh, I just don't give a damn. Well, you know, it's interesting because people kept asking that after the Fox deal of Dana White. After they asked it after the Shogun Hua Dan Henderson fight, where you know their their trunks were both soaked with blood at the end of it. They asked it after Frank Mir broke Noguera's arm, and Dana's response every time was, "Look, they know what they bought into here. They they know that this is sometimes how this sport is, uh, and so what's going to happen just has to happen." At the same time, though, I was at the the post fight press conference after this one, and somebody asked. Pretty much that exact same question. How do you think this would have been if it was on Fox? And Dana made one of those, I don't know, kind of faces. As in, like, I'm kind of glad that we don't have to find out. That shit was disgusting. That shit was everywhere. And it's not just the blood either. I mean, Bigfoot shaking his enormous head trying to get the blood free of his eyes was one thing. But that fight, the stoppage was like five left hands too late. Josh Rosenthal is standing there having, you know, in his head, revising the screenplay he wrote about the MMA referee who gets superpowers. And meanwhile, Bigfoot is laying motionless, taking one left hand after another. That shit was incredible. People on press row were saying, oh, God, stop the fight. So, I mean, I think that, even more than the blood, may have been a little bit queasy for viewers. But... Uh, I, I get what you're saying. Look, if you're watching 
human cockfighting on TV. You got to know what you're getting into. You're going to find out sooner or later. So, hey, stop being a pussy, basically. I'm, in, I'm invoking stop being a pussy. Odd for Mrs. Crane to <laughs> take such advice, but all right. <laughs> all right, our next, our next question. Our next question is from Jeff Smith, whom I assume is the same Jeff Smith that I went to high school with and had a major depressive disorder. And so I will read the uh, question as such. Jeff Smith asks, do you think Dana is always slightly disappointed when Roy Nelson wins? Wow. I, well, first of all, Jeff, feel better. Uh, second of all, I wouldn't say Dana is disappointed when Roy Nelson wins. I would say Dana is both fascinated and frustrated by Roy Nelson based on his comments about him after the, the fight where he said that, you know, we kind of asked about Roy Nelson and his whole beard and mullet act and all that kind of stuff. Dana claims that when Roy jumped on the cage there after knocking out Dave Herman from Dana's words, quote, that was his fuck you to me and Lorenzo. I don't know if he meant that. Roy Nelson actually said fuck you to he and Lorenzo as they sat there or if he just got the message there I mean as long as I've known Roy Nelson from the IFL days he has had a persecution complex you will never convince Roy Nelson that the world is not out to get Roy Nelson in some way so I can see how he might have interpreted that that nobody in the UFC ever wants him to win uh I think the UFC just kind of, they want him to be someone he's never going to be. Dana thinks, oh, you got to shave the beard and cut the mullet and if you want to get sponsorships. Personally, even if Roy Nelson does that, he's still going to be fucking Roy Nelson. He's not going to be George St. Pierre just because he shaved the beard. He's still not going to get those kind of mainstream sponsorships. So I'm kind of fine with him going all the way with this outrageous deal he's got going now. Uh, I think the UFC respects his fighting abilities enough that, that they'll put up with it. Chad? Yeah, um, it's kind of strange that Dana has taken such a hardline stance, especially this week against theatrics in his organization. He's getting old, old uh, and grumpy. <laughs> maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get into our discussion of Jason Mayhem Miller, but he definitely came out and sort of like laid the, 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 the iron fist down saying that he's not into the theatrics and he doesn't want you know guys going overboard with their, uh, with their personalities and theatrical stuff. Um, as to the question of whether or not he he what was can I hear the question one more time? Uh, yeah, Jeff Smith asks, do you think Dana is always slightly disappointed when Roy Nelson wins? Maybe slightly disappointed, but I mean, at the end of the day, Dana Dana White's a businessman. Uh, a, a fact of mixed martial arts that I feel is sometimes forgotten in the uh, in the general discourse, and I think that you know he, when you have like three hundred fighters under contract, you're probably just not going to like some of those guys. Um, and he can probably overlook that as long as Roy Nelson continues to be one of the more marketable guys on the roster. And let's face it, you don't have to worry about, worry about Roy Nelson testing positive for testosterone and screwing up one of your events. That's, no, you that's just, just not going to happen. Roy Nelson testing positive for donuts. Oh, hey. low hanging fruit. All right, last question, uh, and we should note that a lot of you sent questions in. We can't answer all of your questions because we would break our vow that this shit only going to be an hour. Uh, also, a lot of your questions were stupid, so try and do better. Last question, Dan, go for it. All right, our last question comes from one Patrick Glebus, uh, who might have been a uh, successful architect were his name not Patrick Glebus, um, <laughs> and, is, and is therefore a teenage boy. Um, and he will be read as such. Patrick, Patrick Glebus asks, do you think Alistair Overeem will get an automatic title shot against the current heavyweight title holder at the time of his return? Or will he need a warm-up fight? <laughs> wow. Chad, you, you want to go first here? Uh, I think that he'll probably get a shot at whoever has the title, and I think that that's kind of a shame. Uh, we talked about this last week, but um, I'm taking the hardline stance that after testing positive for elevated levels of testosterone, Alistair Overeem's entire heavyweight career is in question. I don't think without, you know, performance-sensing drugs, I have to question whether or not he would even be a heavyweight. Um, so really, I, I think the right move is for the UFC to cut ties with him, not bring Whoa. him back at all. Whoa. Uh, but I assume that they will. I assume that when he comes back, he will uh, gain entry to an immediate title shot, probably against, you know, the winner of Cain Velasquez and, and Junior Dos Santos. Because uh, I expect one of them will get hurt in that fight. It'll cause a major delay with the title. Uh, and, uh, and you know, that's, that's too bad. But at, at the end of the day, more, moral issues aside, that is a fight we all want to see. You know, I see what you're saying. And I agree that, look, a guy like that tests positive. It does make us have to question everything that came before it. And, you know, could he have earned this title shot? 
if he had been competing clean the entire time. I mean, I guess we're operating under the assumption that this he did not suddenly discover testosterone use in the weeks leading up to his drug test. That maybe, just maybe, uh, he had engaged in some unethical behavior before being caught. Uh, but I think the thing is, people still want to see that guy challenge for the, the title. I mean, if he can... If he can get clean enough to pass the test and get licensed again and all that stuff, that people still want to see it. I mean, even while I was there to see Frank Mir and Junior Dos Santos, a part of me is like, man, I wish this was Junior Dos Santos and Alistair Overeem. If he can at least get smart enough to pass the test and get through that, I have to admit that I would like to see him challenge for the title. I mean, I think if you look at the, the guys who are right there right now, it's Cain Velasquez, Alistair Overeem, and Daniel Cormier, not in that order. You know, I, I think if it were a perfect world, you could do anything. I'd throw Daniel Cormier in there right now. I think he's earned it. Uh, but I would put Alistair Overeem right after him on that list. So unless there are any serious delays, who knows what the heavyweight title picture is going to look like by the time Alistair Overeem can get a license again. Uh, it's one of those things where if, if he can pass the test, then we all got to pretend, at least for the moment, that we think he's competing clean and uh, let him get in there and fight until we learn otherwise. Well, that's going to do it uh, for the first installment of of Listener Mail. Keep sending in those questions, regardless of what Ben said. Thanks to everyone. Questions are stupid. Regardless of what Ben said, thanks to everyone who sent in their questions. Thanks to Dan. For the ones that were stupid. Thanks to Dan Brooks for showing up to read the uh, questions in a funny voice. Check out his blog, CombatBlog.net. Feel free to to email the show this week for next week's installment of Listener Mail. The email address is CoMainEventPodcast all one word, at gmail.com. Don't make them stupid. And with that, we're going to go ahead and segue seamlessly into round one. Round one. UFC 146 featured an all-heavyweight main pay-per-view card. Five fights, uh, which for the most part, avoided our concerns about what could result from having a, a pay-per-view event for the most part entirely and well aside from the fact that well you got like 18 minutes of total action or something like that uh i would say that that most of the pitfalls of having a, an entirely heavyweight main card w- were avoided clearly i can take from your from your last comment that you were impressed no yeah, i mean first of all i think it was like 20 something minutes of, of of total combat but i think that's the the best case scenario we had Three fights, I believe, that ended in the first round. Uh, the other two ended, in, you know, midway through the second round. I feel like that's pretty much an ideal situation. If, if you have to choose between that and a bunch of, you know, plodding, wheezing heavyweight fights where they just completely lose all semblance of cardio as soon as we hear the words round two, I'll take this. I'll take a bunch of fun finishes. I mean, I, I think that it's a much better, makes for a much better environment for the live crowd, which translates over to, to pay-per-view. Uh, I thought it went better than the UFC had any right to expect. Yeah, no, I mean, I think we would all take the stoppages over the uh, the fights where the guys end up with both hands on their knees, just sweating and staring at each other. <laughs> uh, in the main event, your champion, Junior Dos Santos, did what I think we all expected him to do um, and really kind of outclassed Frank Mir, who we should point out was a replacement fighter in, in this uh, main event um, and defeated him by... What would you say? I would say lopsided TKO. Shellacking. Mid, mid, yeah, I would say shellacking. shellacking. TKO through, via shellacking. Midway through the second round. Um, I, would, I would posit that that victory probably says more about Frank Mir than it does about Junior Dos Santos. I think that at 33 years old and, and 20 fights into his UFC career, uh, we've probably seen the best that we're going to see from Frank Mir. And, and I'm just going to I'll make the statement I think that his days as a top contender for the UFC heavyweight title are probably over at this point. Agree or disagree? Well, yeah, I, I don't know. He seems to think he's going to be around for 10 more years. I I don't really see it. It was about what we expected from him. And it's about what people have done against Junior Dos Santos up to this point where they make one really solid effort at a takedown. It doesn't work out. It turns out Junior Dos Santos did not become the heavyweight champion in the UFC by being easy to take down. And then after that, he ends up, you know, putting that leather on him a little bit and they get all woozy and any takedown attempts they try after that are really just desperation flailing for his legs kind of takedown attempts. And that that doesn't work. I think what Frank Mir said and what a lot of people have said about him, though, is that 
when you watch him fight, you just see the hands that, you know, he's got quick hands. He doesn't throw anything that he doesn't think is going to land cleanly. Everything he throws seems to get through people's defenses and, and seems to land. Uh, but Mir was saying afterwards that it was his footwork that he was really impressed with, that you know he can jump in and jump out, and then when you go to swing back at him, he's just not there anymore. It's And it sounded like just psychologically that it kind of broke Frank Mir and, and frustrated him. A lot of times you hear these guys talk, and they will talk as if, well, hey, it wasn't my night. He got the best of me, and but you know, maybe if we rematched, I think I would stand a better chance. You did not get that impression from Frank Mir that he thought it was going to go any differently. I mean, Cain Velasquez obviously thinks that, you know, if, if he gets another shot at him, that he will employ a different game plan. The entire thing will work out differently. Uh, but it's clear that Junior Dos Santos is more than just one big right hand. I mean, that guy has has actual skills. That's why he's there. And, you know, let's not crap all over Frank Mir by any <laughs> means. Like, uh, if Frank Mir retired tomorrow, he'd still have more wins than any other heavyweight in UFC history. Uh, he's had the title twice. Is it true? More wins than any other? Yeah, I think so. Heavyweight? 16. He's got 16. 16 and 6. Wow. I mean, that that is impressive. He has been doing it for a long time. Yes, right? he has. Uh, two two times with the UFC heavyweight title. One regular interim old title. UFC title. One interim heavyweight title. Yeah. Uh, he's got... A number of what what you might call signature wins, uh, the arm breakings against both Tim Sylvia and uh, Big Nog, uh, the knee bar on 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 Brock Lesnar is probably one of the more memorable submission wins uh, in the company's history. I would say if he retired tomorrow, first ballot Hall of Famer. First of all, let's get something fucking straight. <laughs> there is no MMA Hall of Fame. There is a UFC Hall of Fame, and it is decided entirely by the UFC with no outside input, no real process that at least is transparent to any of us as to determine who gets in and who doesn't. You don't think they have a ballot? It's bullshit. <laughs> I mean, look, look, hey, if they want to have like a company Hall of Fame the same way if like Enterprise Rent-A-Car wanted to have like a company Hall of Fame where it's like, ah, oh, the best salesman of Enterprise Rent-A-Cars and the best, you know, Enterprise Rent-A-Car mechanics and whatever they do at Enterprise. If they wanted to have their own Hall of Fame, fine. You know, no one gets to say anything about it. They can do whatever they want. However, that does not equal a legitimate sports Hall of Fame the way there's a baseball Hall of Fame and a football Hall of Fame. It's a company Hall of Fame. That's why you see guys who deserve to be in there as far as actual accomplishment who are not in there. I mean, MMA, I think, needs a legitimate like sport Hall of Fame, but it doesn't have one right now. So let's stop pretending that the UFC Hall of Fame necessarily means anything. What I hear you saying is oh that you and I should start the <laughs> MMA Hall of Fame, co-main event podcast, mixed martial arts Hall of Fame. All of that, and I think we should buy the abandoned dollar movie theater over on Brook Street in Missoula. We operate a movie theater, podcast, and Hall of Fame out of it, all in one. Maybe we also get a liquor license, and it's a strip club sometimes, too. Let's just see where it goes. That's yeah, all I'm saying. We'll, just, we'll talk about it off air. Yeah, I think, you know... As far as a tax situation, it could be really beneficial, especially if we can get like nonprofit status for that. I'm just saying, a nonprofit strip club—that's a—that's a license to print money, my friend. Yeah, you know, no pressure. Let's not let's not lock ourselves into anything. But <laughs> so I'm I'm intrigued. I'm frankly intrigued. We uh, we also saw Cain Velasquez returned tri- triumphantly. We talked about that a little bit in, in uh, listener mail. Ass kicking, but yeah, he just beat the tar and and most of the fluid out of. Antonio Bigfoot Silva. What are you looking at, Josh Rosenthal? What are you looking at? What are you doing when you're standing there watching Bigfoot where the only movement he's making is as his body shudders with each blow, the same way in the movies a dead person's body shudders when you keep shooting them, and you're deciding, well, hold on, let's give him a chance to prove that he's still in this. Let's see where this goes. Let's see where this goes. Uh, Cain Velasquez, the biggest threat to Junior Dos Santos's reign as UFC heavyweight champion. Only in the sense that he's going to get the next shot. If I, if it was a perfect world where I could absolutely pick this guy gets the next shot, you know, and contract issues and injuries and suspensions and all that stuff was not an issue, I'd throw Daniel Cormier in there sure. next. I think Daniel Cormier has proven himself to be, you know, the the top heavyweight contender. If you could do anything at all, I'd throw Daniel Cormier, in. and I think Daniel Cormier probably stands a better chance of than than Cain Velasquez. Huh. Yeah, I think, Cormier, I, I think Cormier can take a take a shot a little better than than Velasquez can from just from what we've seen of him. Uh, is a better wrestler, better technical wrestler, and, and probably hits a little harder. 
Yeah, I. But at the same time, I, I don't know if you would. I don't know if you can really indict Cain Velasquez's chin just from what we saw against him in the first That's true. Dos Santos I, fight. I mean, it's a difference. A guy of like Junior Dos Santos puts one in your ear like that, and you're probably not standing up any longer, no, no matter who you are. Yeah, no, I mean that's fair. But uh, I guess Cain Velasquez gets the shot because he is the best guy who can take the fight more or less right away. Overeem is out with the suspension. Cormier has to have hand surgery and then do one more strike force fight. That leaves you with Cain Velasquez. However, when you think about it, you know, he gets knocked out in the opening minute, basically, against Junior Dos Santos. Wins one fight against a guy who Cormier already throttled just as impressively, if not more so. Uh, and that's enough. Throws him right back in there. I don't know. You know, I mean, it well, makes sense given I mean, the, the circumstances, but otherwise. The, the first fight between Cain Velasquez and Junior Dos Santos was kind of a weird fight all the way around. We had reports that Velasquez's knee was screwed up. Headed so into was Dos Santos's. I mean, that was... That's... I mean... We can do that kind of shit all day. And fighters will encourage you to do that shit. No one wants to make excuses. And Kane really, you know, every time he gets brought up, Kane will shoot it down. I brought it up with Javier Mendez like the week after that fight. And he just, he gave me that, I see what you're doing, you reporter asshole, smile, and then shook his head and walked away from me. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, he, he, he knows that I know something's up, but he doesn't want to talk about it. Fine, I can't, you know, you can't really do anything past that. But still, you can do that all the time if right. you want to. I'm just saying, you get two guys in there who, uh, who both have two working knees. Maybe Cain Velasquez doesn't. Maybe he shoots for a takedown. I don't know. That's just <laughs> my crazy idea. It seemed to me like it, during that fight, like Velasquez had it in his mind that it was going to be a long a war of attrition, to quote Jeff Blatnick, and that he came out, he threw a couple of leg kicks. Like, like he was trying to settle in for the proverbial chess match. <laughs> and then... Dos Santos put one in his ear and, and knocked him out to give him a second shot. I think things might be different. He goes out there and tries to work a little bit more of his wrestling. Maybe doesn't give up after the first failed takedown attempt, as we saw from Frank Mir. Maybe. But then again, I think one of the differences, and again, just on what we've seen, and it is kind of limited. I don't think Velasquez has the same threat that Daniel Cormier has that he can also put one in your ear. And your night can be over. With Velasquez, that's not the big concern. I mean, he 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 knocked out Big Nog, you know, and, and so that was one where you could see him, you know, putting one punch on somebody's chin and he goes down. But I think with Cormier, uh, you have that fear a little more that he striking wise is going to be a threat to you enough that it opens up the takedowns a little more. So it sounds to me like the Ben Folk Stone Cold Lock of the Century is to take Junior Dos Santos to win the. Uh, the rematch against Cain Velasquez. I think he wins the rematch against Cain Velasquez. Unless he goes in there all fucked up with his knees, all messed up, and Cain Velasquez is you know feeling superhuman. Who knows? But then again, I, I mean, again, we talk about this all the time with these guys in training. I'm not sure at times that it is totally a good thing for guys like Cain Velasquez and Daniel Cormier to train together. Maybe if Cormier is out with hand surgery, it'll kind of remove that. But some of these guys, they'll talk, oh, steel sharpens steel. No, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it just, you know, it blunts everybody's edge. Everybody gets hurt that way. You know, some, they think that the only way to to be ready is for them to be in these battles every week with also some of the best fighters out there. That's not the way they do it in other combat sports. They hire kind of rent-a-sparring partners. You can do that to the point where it's detrimental, but you can also go too far the other direction. You look at a place like AKA where they have so many top guys and they're just beating the shit out of each other all the time. You get that many good guys beating each other up. Like when they say, you know, like, oh, when I get in there, you know, nothing's, the, the training is, is way harder than the fight. I don't know. Maybe that's not such a good idea. Maybe you shouldn't be just completely mauling each other to a point that you are depleted by the time you actually get in there to make your money. And that's exactly why I don't train at all. <laughs> and therefore, for all we know. Yeah, I'm the baddest man on the planet, yeah. for all we know. Well, it's like, you know, when you see like a, a football team, they'll go against the, the scout team defense that will mimic what the, the real defense is going to do. But those guys are definitely not as good as the team they're going to play. And, I mean, I can see where you want to be, you want to keep that edge, you want to be prepared. How do you know if you're going to be able to beat those guys if you can't go against them in practice? But at the same time, you do that, you know, for week in, week out, for, for a couple months, you're not going to be in the greatest of shape afterward. You're going to be beat up and broken down. You're not going to be at 100%. I mean, I think some of those guys are, are doing that too much. 
that maybe that old school like Militich camp philosophy where they just figure we'll beat this shit out of everybody and whoever is left standing must be a badass. I, I don't know if that's, I think that's kind of some of the old school mentality that maybe MMA needs to uh, take a closer look at. Uh, Roy Nelson, Stipe Miocic. That's how they were saying it on the broadcast. Stipe Miocic. You were so confident in your pronunciation. I know. I think I said Miocic. Miocic. Uh, Who's in a position to say you're wrong? Nobody. Uh, Those two guys plus Stefan Struve all got wins on the main card. Struve, pretty goddamn impressive, actually. (laughs) Well, okay, but... In fairness, he knew that LeVar Johnson did not have a ground game. And he pulled guard. He yeah, just like no, did yeah. some Shinya Aoki, just straight up not even going to mess with it, pulled guard. Yeah, that's a situation where you don't that armbar doesn't work out and you might be in a little bit of trouble. Although maybe he was so confident that LeVar Johnson has no ground game and he has some ground game to speak of that he, he could have caught him in something else. I don't know. Uh, who impressed you the most there uh, out of those, I would say, those three guys, those three winners? You know, I have to say it was Stipe. Yeah, me too. I, I think that because Del Rosario, especially for that first round, he looked good. Yeah, I mean, he, he was he was nailing him with some kicks, hard kicks. You could, you could just hear it. And, it. and Stipe never looked flustered at all, especially I think the thing is when you look at And you could say the same thing about Del Rosario, but Stipe is pretty inexperienced with MMA. I mean, I think it was his ninth fight. And he, he gets in there. On this, the main card of this all heavyweight thing, pretty big spotlight fighting Del Rosario, this big import from Strike Force. Uh, the guy starts throwing all this stuff at him, and he never looked rattled. He never looked bothered at all. He, you know, he was perfectly calm, like he just knew he belonged there. Uh, and eventually, you know, got him down and just opened up his brain with elbows. Uh, that's that's an impressive win to me. You wonder a guy like that who's just a good all around athlete and who is really comfortable in the cage, doesn't get rattled. What's he going to be like when he has 15 or 20 fights under his belt, if he can do all that without getting injured? Yeah, athletic, I think, is the is the key there in that sentence. And I think it sort of turned out that maybe fighting off his back, not Shane Del Rosario's thing so much. <laughs> you know, but I think Shane Del Rosario is going to be okay, too. Oh, I, I do, too. I, I mean, I think one of the reasons that I picked against him was not because I didn't think that he was a good fighter, but because when you factor in both the long layoff that he's been on over a year, he's been out uh, with that injuries from a you know, drunk driving accident. Then you go in there and you make your UFC debut. That has an effect on guys. People talk about the, that octagon jitter stuff all the time. Yeah, that's real. Uh, I think he did pretty well considering the circumstances. Uh, but, you know, I think if you give him a little bit of time, let him get back in his groove and get used to it, that, that he'll do a lot better. Boy, you thought listener mail was awesome. Before we get into round two, we've got a special guest with us uh, in the studio, um, our first celebrity guest. By studio, we mean my living room. Yeah, Ben's living room. And uh, before we get into round two, we're going to check out our our new feature, featurette, you might say, (laughs) Master Tweet Theater. Oh, shit. And now, Master Tweet Theater. And now time for our new segment, uh, Master Tweet Theater. Those of you who are uh, confused, the idea is pretty simple. We have our good friend, uh, Lord, or I'm sorry, Sir. Sir? (laughs) I apologize. Sir Nigel Longstock, a a noted theatricalist, uh, according to the business card that he gave us. Uh, you might know him from such things as, I believe he was in the chorus of the Transformers, the musical, is that is that correct? Chorus leader, sir. I, I, I apologize to Sir Nigel. Uh, and also in the, well, I don't want to say well-reviewed, but let's say reviewed uh, one-man show, Charles Darwin, The Werewolf Years, um, which, according to everything I read, definitely happened. Uh, he's here, he's going to provide... A dramatic reading of several tweets from those in the MMA community, not necessarily fighters, but, you know, MMA peeps on the Twitter. Uh, and Chad and I are going to attempt to guess, just based on his dramatic reading, who the tweeter in question was. Uh, so, Sir Nigel, whenever you're ready, uh, give us number one. I'm excited. <clears throat> Come on, let's just get on with it. Okay. <clears throat> number one. God lends a helping hand to the man who tries hard, Aeschylus. 
Also the man who fights hard and never gives up. Wait, is so was the second part also an Aeschylus quote? The second part does not appear to be from the original text, no, <laughs> sir. You, you read that as if there was no punctuation? Is there, is there punctuation in it? There's one punctuation mark. There's an exclamation point at the end oh, for emphasis. Okay. That tells us something. Chad, do you, do you want to take a stab? You want me to go first? I've got some thoughts. Um, clearly, it's someone very churchy. It's someone who would use an exclamation point. My guess is that it's going to be UFC lightweight champion Ben Henderson. That's a good guess. That's a good guess. Uh, I, I agree with your methodology. I'm not sure I agree with your conclusion. Based on uh, recent events and the, the nature, the uplifting nature of this quote, I'm going to say UFC light heavyweight champion John Jones. Interesting, interesting. Sir Nigel, you, you want to give us the answer on that one? I'm sorry, both of you are incorrect. The oh. answer is Philip Baroni. Oh. <laughs> oh, Philip Baroni. I should have I should have known that one. Okay, well, uh, we're, we're both 0 for 1 there. On to number 2. <clears throat> number 2. They keep calling JDS the most vicious boxer in UFC heavyweight history. Where's the love for James Tony? <laughs> Wow, that was you really got into that one. Well, I, I am a Tony man. <laughs> yeah, I felt it coming up just from your heels. Um okay, so we're dealing we're dealing with a smart ass, basically. Somebody somebody who's clever, somebody who who is is kind of funny, uh and uh I'm gonna say a learned man. I'm gonna guess one of my favorite tweeters, Jason High. Chad? That's interesting. That's a little. That's a little offbeat. Um, I think you're right. I think it's someone who's educated. I'm gonna go ahead and guess former Purdue Boilermaker Matt Mitrione. Sir Nigel. Good guesses both, but I'm afraid both again wrong. Oh, damn. The tweeter is Danny Downs. No. Oh. At Danny Boy Downs. At Danny Boy Downs is one of my favorite Twitter accounts. So I guess I, I can't feel too. I should have known that. I apologize to Danny Boy Downs. He's one of the best tweeters out there. Yeah, good one. All right. Number three. By the way, there are five. I don't know if we mentioned that, just so you don't think this is an interminable process. Number three. Oh, thank God. Number three. I see that ni- Hmm. Oh, well, the word appears to be spelled phonetically. What are uh, we, wait, what are we dealing with? I see that... Hmm. Ni- ni- it's like we broke Sir Nigel. I see that... Negro... Quinton at K1. Does it actually say Negro? No, it does not. <laughs> can I... Wait. Just so we don't get ourselves in any trouble, can you give me a yes or no answer? Does it contain a an offensive uh, synonym for Negro? There are two Gs, sir. <laughs> two Gs in this word. Fortunately, I almost never pronounce R's. I see that Negro Quinton at K1. This I realize this is difficult for you. Um, does the word in question end with an A or an ER? It's important to figure out its source. Oh, very much so, sir. It ends with an A. Ah, okay. Fortunately, I myself am ethnically Guinean, so this shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> I see that nigger Quinton at K1. Wow. Chad, I think I went first last time, and I think it's your turn. <laughs> I don't know who chose this one. Ah. Uh, <laughs> I think it's got to be King Mo. It's got to be Muhammad Lawal. That's my guess. Oh, that, that is a pretty good guess. I, I mean, if it weren't referring to Rampage, I would guess Rampage. But that's... all right. You know, I'm going to say it was Rashad Evans and he was drunk when he tweeted it. My God, Chad is finally correct. It is, in fact, yes. wow. King Mo. That's right. I'm impressed. I'm not going to lie and say I'm not impressed. All right, uh, so Chad is, is up 1-0 on me right now. I'm, I'm on the board. <laughs> All right, let's move on to number four. Number four. <clears throat> I be going cray high, baby. I got this one. Yeah. I got this one because it's been in the news. I've read about it recently. That is Ariane Celeste mere hours before being arrested for domestic violence. And a beautiful Chantou she is. <laughs> 
That's correct. I concur. That one's obviously Ariane Celeste Lopez. Oh, that's so I get one right and Chad gets to concur. That's great. Well, did you want me to? I, we know that's Ariane. You want me to guess somebody else? No. Hey, whatever, whatever. I mean, I I feel All like right. it's. I'm gonna. I'll guess it's Brittany Palmer. Does that make <laughs> you feel better? <laughs> Brittany Palmer. <laughs> All right, now for the fifth and final tweet of the inauguration of, of Master Tweet Theater. Sir Nigel, take it away. Number five, I love boobs. Something about their life-giving goodness has made me a fan, a fan for life. Thank you for everything, boobs. Wow. Chad, I think it's your turn to go first. Oh, uh... I'm going to guess the president of the United States, Barack Obama. <laughs> well, that's a that's a gutsy guess. I'm going to say Zufa CEO, co-founder or co-owner uh, Lorenzo Fertitta. You're both incorrect. It is the poet Matt Mitrione. Well, okay. I he guess depends a hashtag, in <laughs> fact, which we forgot to mention. <laughs> what what is the hashtag? The hashtag is. Fight for the cure. <laughs> so this was a, a breast cancer Absolutely. Tweet? It was a uh, public service. <laughs> well, consider us publicly served then. Uh, this this has been a lot of fun. Sir Nigel, thank you for, for coming by. What do you have planned for the rest of the evening? Well, I shall do a performance for a local group. You know what? I already, I'm sorry, I already lost interest. Uh, thank you for coming by. And uh, this has been Master Tweet Theater, ladies and gentlemen. Wow, yeah. The success of that, I feel, will probably be debated uh, in future days. But for now, we're going to go ahead and move on to round two. Round two. Jason Mayhem Miller, we hardly knew ye. (laughs) After 30-some fights of previous career in other organizations. Uh, Jason Miller came to the UFC with a lot of hype. Uh, he was fresh off the bully beatdown reality show on MTV. Allegedly, he had garnered some sort of celebrity from that. Uh, you're a huge bully beatdown fan. Don't <laughs> no sit yeah, there. And yes, like you're I have all the seasons on DVD. Um, Jason Miller comes in, goes 0-2 in the octagon, and it doesn't look good pretty much from start to finish. And now not only has he been fired, but I believe he said he's retired. Is that the, is that the well, scoop we'll here? Well, you always, you know, a fighter retirement is one of those things. It's like, you know, your, your college roommate breaking up with his girlfriend. You got to wait like six months and see if she shows up again uh, before you can really say that, that, that it's for real. But I, I, first of all, I don't think he looked terrible in the CB Dalloway fight. I mean, he didn't look great, but there were moments where it seemed like he was on the verge of winning that one. He had CB rocked a couple times, uh, and then you know Dalloway's better wrestler put him down and, and kept him there. And man, made some tactical errors there. Every time he had him in trouble, he would just kind of rush in there trying to finish and get put back down again. So, you know, again though, it seemed more like the UFC decided to cut him off of that one. Uh, first of all, Dana said that there was some kind of backstage incident, mayhem, kind of says not so much, but whatever. I think that the UFC was never a huge Mayhem Miller fan. Dana White certainly not a huge Mayhem Miller fan, and so decided that that was reason enough to cut him. He lost. Maybe he wasn't the the biggest team player. Get rid of the guy. I don't. I don't. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that it was fair to cut him when they did, or do you think that if it was somebody else, he gets to stick around? Well, I think if he's somebody else, he probably gets to stick around. I don't. Was it fair to cut him? You know, on the broadcast, Doctor Joe Rogan diagnosed him with a blown out <laughs> knee, uh, which kind of made me think maybe as part of Obamacare. Oh, here we go. We can all just get diagnosed by Doctor Joe Rogan. Save <laughs> everybody a bunch of money because you just have to walk in the same room with the guy. Yeah, and he'll just look at you and be like, "Oh, broken arm." By the that way, arm is broken. Me personally, anxiety. Got to have some medical marijuana for it. <laughs> yeah, no, I know that. I know that's true. Uh, yeah, yeah. so uh, it looked like something was wrong with his knee. He was wearing that pretty st- sturdy knee brace on one knee. By the way, also violating cardinal rule of, of fighter, uh, the unwritten laws yeah. of the octagon. That's one of the if boss root yeah. ten commandments yeah, right there. You put that on the other knee. Yeah. Or you wear what, two. That's what, yeah, that's what two. boss Rutten would do. He would also... If you got him in a guillotine choke that he knows is not close, will make a choking noise. 
to get you to uh, expend all your energy trying to finish it. That's like commandment two. And look, as we sit here today, I, d- I honestly don't know if, if Mayhem had a blown out knee. I don't know if he had a problem with his knee. There were a couple of times when Dalloway had him down against the cage where the knee with the brace on it was the outside and it on the outside. And it looked like Mayhem was trying to use it to, to stand up and he couldn't really do it. Um, and then when he did finally get up, he had to like change position and, and use the other knee sort of to post and get up. Um, but what I, about, I mean, knee injury, regardless, we've said this before, we will say it again on the podcast, when you get in the cage, you have made a, a deal. Right. You've, you've signed a, a contract with the viewer, with the fans, with your opponent, with your employer, that you are healthy enough to fight and therefore healthy enough to deal with the consequences of the fight, whatever they may be. Sure. No, I agree. If you're hurt, don't fight. If you fight, don't bitch. Yeah. It's an easy... Uh, rule of thumb and to his credit Jason Miller I haven't really heard him do any bitching about being injured or what have you um, I, I do think though if the guy goes out there has a blown out knee fights CB Dalloway and loses maybe you cut him a little slack maybe well, you it's don't also, I mean, fire him from the company probably the least exciting fight on the card but it was not because of mayhem so I think that should right. probably be taken into account it was because CB had his way that's why it was not a fun fight to watch not because mayhem you know mayhem one of the good things about him is he finds a way to make it entertaining even when he's getting his ass kicked. He did it against Bisping to some extent. He he did it a little bit against C.B. Dalloway. I mean, I seem to be kind of in the minority, I feel, in, in thinking that Mayhem is an entertaining guy and a good fighter, uh, and we all benefit from having him around. At the same time, I'm willing to admit that because I like the guy personally, he's smart and he's a lot of fun to talk to. Uh, he's very different from a lot of other fighters. He, Maybe I want him to be better than he is. Maybe I just want him around because he's a fun guy to write about and he's a he's a fun guy to, to have in the space. And maybe maybe he's not UFC caliber. I don't. I, maybe I just want him to be. I don't know. Yeah, and and maybe if you like him and you you think he's a good guy, maybe the best thing for him is for him not to be really be a fighter anymore. Because well, I would never advise anybody to be a fighter. <laughs> no, absolutely not. The I more mean, I've covered this sport, the more that's whenever I you know. Meet guys like through jujitsu or something who ask what they should do to be a fighter. My answer is don't. Yeah, do I something mean, else. Fan, we said we we uh, romanticize it a lot. Fans romanticize the sport a lot. I was I was actually going to say this about Frank Mir earlier, who you know also seems like a, a fairly smart guy. Uh, the smart guys get in, get their money, and get out. And if Jason Mayhem Miller, I don't know how he is financially. I don't know where he's at. But if he doesn't need the money anymore, I don't really see any reason for him to continue on getting punched in the head by trained killers. Uh, if he has any other options out there, I think that that, that would probably be good for him. Um, it smarts a little bit to see him, a guy that you thought was as good as he is and has as much promise and potential as he does. It smarts a little bit to come in and see a guy that likable just kind of wash out of the UFC by going 0-2 and, and not really being competitive in either of his fights. Right. Well, and the thing, I, people will bring this up that Dan Hardy gets to lose four in a row, right? You know, Dan Hardy wins a few fights for the title, loses four in a row, and he gets to stick around. We like Dan Hardy. And Dan Hardy, again, another yeah, guy. A really, guy you could probably add to that list. Yeah, and Dan Hardy is definitely one. Like, a lot of people, when I sat down and talked to Dan Hardy in Vegas before this fight, and he was saying that, you know, he kind of came to the realization that, he was not afraid anymore that his career would end, that he realized his career had to end at some point. There has to be life after fighting. And one of the things he said is, I have other things I want to do. I want to go back to college. I, I want to study writing. I, you know, I want to get back into art, that kind of stuff. I want to travel a lot. 90% of fighters, if they were to sit there and tell me, I want to go back to college and I want to be a writer, I'd be like, dude, keep punching people in the face and make a living i know this writing shit looks easy you know like that anybody can just do it you write email all the time right i'm sure you could do it dan hardy is actually one of those guys you're like hey i would actually sit down and read something that you wrote i think that you're a smart interesting person and you really could do a lot of other things not necessarily true for all the fighters they a lot of them think they could do a ton of things probably can't you know like like chris lieben told you that time how he's not going to go become an architect anytime soon that's that's the kind of self-awareness that, that you need there. Chris Lieben is not going to become an architect anytime soon. He has a particular set of skills that he can sell, and he needs to sell them while they're still valuable. 
that's not Dan Hardy and Mayhem Miller. I would say they could do a lot of other stuff if they want to and when they want to. At the same time, it's a little bit weird for me to be like, okay, well, you didn't like Dana White didn't like Mayhem personally. They kind of rubbed him the wrong way. He had a thing against him. He loses two fights. Bam! As soon as he got the justification to cut the guy, he's out. Right. Yeah. No, I I agree. There's, you know, one of the things that is weird about the UFC is that it's uh, it's a billion dollar business that appears to operate without any policy. And actively resisting putting any policy in place. Every time Dana White gets asked about that, he asks, a- acts as if it would be completely impossible. And Com- hey, man, more power to him. If you can go on continuing to run a billion-dollar business without any policy uh, and get away with it. Just do whatever yeah, you decide sure, is man. right at the Why moment. Not? Yeah. Why not? Why not, Hey, yeah, if you can do it, then you can go ahead and do it. But uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it is a little weird when you see some fighters... And fighters have said this to me before where they feel like their livelihoods are at the whim of a couple individuals. And those people just don't like you or they decide that, you know, there's not enough money to be made to make it worth their while to deal with you. Then, you know, you're just kind of screwed. And the more power that rests with the UFC and that they own Strikeforce as well, uh, the the fewer other places there are to go make a living as a fighter, the, the scarier I think that becomes for a lot of those guys. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was trying to think before we before I got here to record this of a more a guy who came in with as much hype who then turned in a more disappointing tenure in the octagon than Jason Miller. Kimbo. Kimbo Slice. Yeah. Kimbo got a win, though, right? He beat Houston Alexander, yeah, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, but that was... That was a non-win because the fight was so boring, basically. Right. No, Akimbo would be on the list. Crow Cop would probably be on the list, although Crow Cop kind of turned it around a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, man, it smarts to say it, but Jason Miller kind of uh, laid an egg out there for a couple of a couple of performances in a row. Uh, Before we end this topic and move on to, to the third and final round there, the, the thing about... How Dana White seems to be ha, seems to have less patience these days for guys with antics. He doesn't like antics that yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The antics going into the cage at weigh-ins, stuff like that. He he's against that kind of stuff. It seems like he's gotten more so recently, as if he's just gotten a little grumpier about that kind of stuff. Uh, personally, I don't know. I I feel like you want these guys to be individuals. I mean, you don't want them to be just you know begging and pleading for attention to where it just becomes embarrassing for everybody. And I get you know Dennis Holman wears speedos, and you're like, okay, don't make this into a farce. Like we, this is a sport, and we need to make sure that people know that we're all taking it seriously. Uh, yeah, but at the same time, Dennis Hallman's certainly not the first guy to wear speedos to the octagon. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the difference, between go back the shorts and watch that, Frank Mir's UFC yeah. debut if you want to see a guy wearing bright red speedos. <laughs> well, you look at the sh- difference between the shorts that Dennis Hallman wears and uh, Alexander Gustafson wears. You know, we're talking like a couple inches at the most. You know, there it, it's a difference of degree and not type. Uh, but at the same time, he seems to be just kind of cracking down on that kind of thing. Uh, as if that's a reason to get rid of the guy because oh he w- has some weird entrance kind of stuff. I mean this is this is entertainment. This sure. you know there's a reason why you know John Fitch is not the most popular fighter out there because he's just not as entertaining even if he is a really good fighter. Let these guys be entertainers. It doesn't all have to be. I mean as long as they take it seriously when they're in the cage, as long as they can be counted on to to give their best effort and to take that part of their lives that they're a professional and that they're serious. Fine, let him, you know, Gono came out with his cornermen all in evening dresses, and it was awesome. I was there that night. People fucking loved it. Like, let him, let him have a little bit of fun like that. I mean, that's one of the good things about this. It is, it's not the NFL. It's not the NBA. People get to have a little bit of fun. I don't see what's so bad about that. No, I, know, I don't know what Dana White's objection to it is really, except that maybe it's a fine line between Jason Miller bringing a pink boom box out for the weigh-in and Jacob Volkman saying that he wants to, or calling the president a dumbass or whatever he did that got him visited by the secret service. <laughs> um, and I guess if you're a promoter, maybe that gives you pause. Uh, I don't have a problem with it. I just think if you're going to try to be a guy who has a, a weirdo entrance or, or hams it up at the weigh-in, you just, you just better be good at it. You know, I don't, yeah. you don't want to see a guy come out there. And I believe that like the degree of difficulty is pretty high and the, 
the the chance of failure is also pretty high. And that's I, I mean that's and that applies to so many different things that if you're going to do it, you better do a good job. It's like how many how many Twitter accounts do we see that are you know basically either fake Twitter accounts or like you know you have like some Twitter account with a dude who runs it is too scared to put his name on it uh, and just wants to be kind of a a general asshole. That's fine if you're going to do that. You better be funny. You better be good at it. If yeah. you're not, then then you're just kind of sad. Then we we're we're all imagining you going on a first date and deciding whether or not you should tell her about the fake Twitter account that you run. <laughs> I'm guessing if you have any sense, you decide to leave that as like a third date thing. The same way, you know, if if you like to dress up as a pony or something as a sexual activity, that's a third date kind of thing too. What do you, when do you tell girls about your pony thing, Chad? Oh. I'll, when we're while we're chatting on the internet before I even meet her. <laughs> well, you meet them in pony chat rooms, though. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I hope my wife's not listening to this. <laughs> um, before we segue seamlessly into round three, uh, another one of our new, new possibly feature. recurring features on the co-main event podcast is our tips for a well-rounded mixed martial arts fan. This will be the part of the show where we recommend something or or, or let you know something that we've done, not fighting related, because you know. We don't just live and breathe this stuff 24 hours a day, although sometimes it feels like that. Um, you know, we're a couple of real well, renaissance what we're saying men. Is, we're out yeah, there. I mean, basically, you assholes have to get out there and do something else with your fucking lives. This is pathetic. You're sitting around all the time on the couch just watching MMA and playing the UFC video game. There's no way to live. Therefore, we're and we're going to keep this short, but we're each just going to give you once a week one recommendation, do something else with your life. Jesus. Um, Chad, your recommendation. Wow, you are salty this week. Just, I feel like maybe you had a bad day or something. Uh, my recommendation is an, is the historical novel The Sisters Brothers by Patrick DeWitt. That's D-E-W-I-T-T if you're, if you're interested. Um, it's a Western, but don't. I hope don't you know don't don't shortchange it because it's a western it's it's pretty literary and it's an awesome book I would say probably the best book that I've read so far this year. Well, do well, I need to say I, more about it than that, or is that no? Good, that's that's fine. We're, we're gonna keep this this shit short. Uh, my recommendation now it feels a little nerdy. Trust me, we're not always gonna do books. Sometimes it'll be other stuff. But my recommendation also a book a book called The Long Ships. Uh, which is by uh, Franz Gunnar Bengston with two S's. You probably just want to Google the long ships rather than trying to get the author's name. Uh, it is a novel about awesome Vikings doing awesome Viking shit, uh, wandering from one place to another, plundering and having fights that involve swords and axes and doing awesome Viking stuff. And yet it is extraordinarily well written so that you feel like you're reading literature and awesome Viking adventure shit at the same time. Uh, if you're a person who likes MMA, you're going to want to read this. Trust me. So there you go. One book about Vikings, one book about cowboys. Um, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, nothing gay about that. Uh, we're going to go ahead and move on to round three right now. Celebrity Octagon Girl, Ariane Celeste Lopez, was arrested this week and for domestic violence. So suspicion of domestic violence or full no, on? I mean, I don't, when you're arrested, she, she done did suspicion it. implied. Right. I don't know. I, honestly, okay, here's the thing. We're talking about this not because we want to talk about this, but because... Everybody out there seems to want to talk about this. MMA fans on Twitter kept pestering me while I was at the fights. Is Ariane there yet? What is happening with Ariane? Uh, I think we should talk about this just so we can say and, and get this point out there. Who gives a shit about ring girls? Ring girls have about as much to do with MMA as the ushers who work at the MGM Grand. And they're all retired dudes who are mean as hell. Who cares? I don't know. I don't understand the fascination with ring girls. They don't do anything. There's no talent involved. You just pick a hot girl, and there's millions of them. You just pick anyone, give her the little the bikini and the card that has the number on it, and she walks around. That's all there is to the job. It's the most insipid thing in the world. Why do people care? Chad, please tell me why people care. Uh, because a lot of dudes who like MMA are horny like 12-year-olds? Yeah, but there's tons. Like, 
if that's what you want, the internet has tons of free pornography. I don't know if you guys knew that. If that's what you're after, there's there's so much better out there than a girl in a bikini walking around with a sign. Wait, pornography? All right, we're not you know on internet. <laughs> I don't want I don't want to come I don't want to ruin your marriage, right? <laughs> Dude, here. I have to go. I have to go right now. Um, look, I understand why this is news. I'm not going to sit here and point fingers like Ben Folks will do about people caring that that Ariane got arrested. Uh, the UFC has gone out of its way to make Ariane a known commodity, to make her a, a celebrity, whatever twisted bastardization of celebrity you can become by being a, a ring card girl in the UFC. I mean, ring card girl is like one rung above Kardashian in my mind. Above? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, look, if, if, you, if, if you make this girl a celebrity, if you get her on the cover of Playboy... If she beats up Tiki Goshen or whoever it was, like that's news. Like people are going to report that. So I don't know. I'm not going to okay. sit here and pretend like everyone is a scandal maven or like a gossip hound or a nerdy, horny 12 year old just because they want to report the news that Ariane got arrested. It's news, bottom line. Uh, it's not news that I particularly care about, but uh, it's also, I, I would hate to see it ignored too. I think it's news because it's domestic violence which I would not have guessed. If you were to have me make a list of the things Ariani would be most likely to get arrested for, domestic violence is like number 28 or 29 on the list. It's just, that's surprising. You don't see her as somebody who would, you know, be beating people up at home in a drunken rage the night before a fight. I, that seems kind of crazy. So maybe that's the, the scintillating part of it that is news to a lot of people. And who knows, maybe it'll it'll result in a really fascinating trial, a, a huge celebrity trial in Las Vegas. <laughs> trial so, of the century. Yeah, who, maybe, maybe that will be a lot of fun for people. I don't know. To me, the general fascination with ring girls, they just they have nothing to do with the sport. Nothing at all. It's like, you know, are people fascinated with NFL cheerleaders? I don't think they know who the hell NFL cheerleaders are. You know, that it takes a lot of nerve for a guy who once got a couple of UFC ring card oh, girls don't you fired. Start that. Don't how dare you? <laughs> how they got themselves fired. <laughs> I all I did was I held you the mic held the and, microphone. I, and I asked, you know, the questions that had to be asked. They were the ones who who said whatever they said they got themselves in trouble. I, I was just the, the vessel for that one. I had nothing to do with it. And, hey, if, if you're going to come to the, UF street, the UFC straight from jail, the best way to do it is to have Roy Nelson knock somebody out 30 seconds later because that really <laughs> takes, the, uh, takes the focus off you. Well, no, if anything, I have way more respect for coming, you know, getting straight out of the lockup, throwing a little conditioner in the hair, getting some eyeliner on, and getting out there and, and doing the job. Yeah, no, I assume, she, I assume she went to jail in that UFC bikini. She just wears that all the time, right? <laughs> that's, a, that's a professional who gets right out of jail and goes to work. Before we wrap up, just saying stuff. The soon-to-be, we think, maybe, possibly, recurring feature on the co-main event podcast where we, quite simply, just say stuff. Yeah, We're gonna, and the idea behind just saying stuff is it's a free pass. We each get to say one thing, one just outrageous, if we like, claim that we will not be asked to defend or justify or, or back up or even be held accountable for in any way. Just the, the, the chance to, hey, we're just saying that kind of thing. This, this is the time. We're, we're almost done with the show. On our way out, we each just get to fire one off, and no one can say shit about it. Right. Chad, you you go first. This this is your thing. You go first. <laughs> this is my thing. I'm okay? already distancing myself from just saying stuff. <laughs> All right, my just saying stuff of the week: Jacob Boltman's submission loss at UFC 146. Best thing to happen to the UFC lightweight division since it was brought back. Wow. That is just saying. I'm just stuff. saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm just saying that Vitor Belfort's broken hand may have saved Vanderlei Silva's life. Whoa. That's heavy. Just saying. I'm yeah. just saying. There, see, no one can say a goddamn thing. Well, that's it for us this week. Uh, next week, we'll be back 
probably to discuss the Ultimate Fighter Live finale. I guess. I, well, you know, we'll find some stuff. I don't want to tie myself to the Ultimate Fighter Live finale. Maybe we'll do at least one round on that. Uh, you know, if you like the show, give us a quality review over on iTunes. That helps us out. If you feel like emailing us with questions, comments, concerns, uh, you can do that at, at comaineventpodcast at gmail.com. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. Do your neighbors like MMA? doesn't matter. Tell them anyway. Yeah. Uh, until next week, that's Ben Folks. I'm Chad Dundas. We're out. You like that? It was like Jim Rome. We're out. That's what he says. I, I've already stopped this one.